Welcome to yet another edition of Hunter Gatherers, the podcast of Hunter S. Thompson Stories. And ladies and gentlemen, we are broadcasting live in the Crescent City from St. Charles Avenue, historic St. Charles Avenue, and more importantly, the greatest gathering of Hunter Thompson fans around at a non-Hunter Thompson event. It's better known as Tales of the Cocktail. As always, I'm your host in New Orleans, Christopher Tidmore, uh, for a change drawn by my co-host sitting right next to me and not halfway across the country. Yes, it is nice to be back in New Orleans. I think this is our first uh, New Orleans recording since the pandemic, right? I mean, we we did live shows from Washington but this is our first time back here. First time together back here. So it's uh, that we're actually sitting in the same place. And it's amazing that we're actually sitting up after the week we've had at Tales of the Cocktail. It's uh, We have imbibed a little, just a little bit. Yes, it is a, a, a place to get overserved. And it's been interesting. You know, I've done most of the uh, Tales of the Cocktail wearing uh, the signature Hunter S. Thompson Gonzo T-shirt, which opens you up to all sorts of Hunter stories, uh, uh, both... Welcome and unwelcome. My favorite was a guy who followed me down the street. He had he'd clearly been living on the street, so I felt like it was his home, not mine. But he started to tell me a story about his sister had a shirt like mine. She got it, he implied, from having certain carnal knowledge of our literary hero, which I could, have no idea if I could begin to confirm or deny. But then he walked into a palm tree and lost his train of thought. Uh, he, it's not exactly a credible source, but... Uh, but a source, nonetheless. So it's, I've heard a lot of stories, and it's interesting when you come to these things. You know, I've, I've been in support of uh, our fellow co-host from time to time, our West Coast host, uh, Danny Dunn, is here. He's doing his uh, What We're Drinking with Danny Dunn. I should say Dan Dunn. And he particularly has let me talk about bourbon and so I'm, I'm sort of the bourbon expert and when you walk around here talking to bourbon you you end up talking to so many people from Louisville and it's really a it's been a, a lesson of you know Hunter always had a strange relationship with his hometown uh, sort of it's been compared to James Joyce's relationship with Dublin in that they did not always embrace him and and some would argue they've not embraced him now there's no you know they need to name streets and avenues and infrastructure after him and they've but you know, that started changing, I think, in 96. But it was interesting how many people from Louisville now, they know a lot about Hunter. Uh, you know, what kind of city produces both Hunter S. Thompson and Muhammad Ali? But Louisville, Louisville's such a big part of tales and, and bourbon. And it's, it's just been really, really interesting to hear some of the, because a lot of them are younger. I mean, they, they came to Hunter recently. And it, it's interesting how much his stature, of course, someone once said that just like Muhammad Ali, the city can only embrace them once they've been dead a while, so they're no longer quite as dangerous. <laughs> well, and part of the reason why they're so much younger is because, frankly, if you drink like you drink it, Tales of the Cocktail, you don't live very long. But it's what a way to go. Um, for example, we can go down the rabbit hole, in this case, liberty and figuratively. Amongst the many tastings that we've been at uh, was a rabbit hole bourbon where Dan Dunn was sitting he, he with us and he said, uh, how much does this bottle go back as we're drinking? He says, oh, it's not expensive. It's $800 a bottle. And we're like, we all look at each other. And immediately, Curtis and I had the same thought. And it was basically, well, we're not exactly in Chevis land, are we, right now? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, so you know, that, that, uh, Chevis land being a reference, uh, Hunter's favorite whiskey was, and the house whiskey at Al Farm was always, in the latter years, Chevis. And um, in fact, 
he took a lot of heat for that because of uh, particularly from whiskey snobs who thought you know a blended whiskey and uh, not exactly a whiskey of the people we'll say uh, his favorite way to drink it was over crushed ice and he liked to take his hand put it over the top of the the uh, glass and then flip it up turn it back for what he called the soda pop effect and at least one uh, of the more noteworthy hunter fans uh, said after after he passed that at least we don't have to pretend to like Chivas anymore but I still defend Chivas. I liked it then. I like it now. His favorite bourbon, for the record, uh, in in my time with him, and I, I kind of was the the pitch man for this, was Knob Creek. I, Knob Creek came out in the '90s, if I'm recalling correctly, and I just loved it. I loved it then. I love it now. This is the original nine-year-old, not not necessarily the rye. I, I've not uh, had as much of that. But it was, uh, if you had to name a, a bourbon that, that he really liked, it would, it would have been the Knob Creek. And, of course, he liked the background story that Knob Creek is named for, the place in Kentucky where Abraham Lincoln uh, was born, not some other state that might claim him. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, uh, Curtis Robinson and I have been going through. And what was interesting about Tales is, for those that don't know, Tales of the Cocktail is the largest gathering of uh, self-professed mixologist in the world. It is a, uh, a cocktail paradise. A lot of brands premiere it, but they're really about the cocktail and how to do it in a city that claims somewhat, you know, with, with some, some difficulty the historic record, but claims to have invented the cocktail. But it's also a place where people wax eloquent over the culture that comes from having a few drinks and discussing the pub culture, the idea of this. And it, the funny thing about it is, I think one of the reasons you have so many Hunter fans is because bartenders are the last poets brought on by their curiosity of drink. And they also, they're observers of humanity. It, they're, it's very, very interesting to be in a room with bartenders mixing for that many other bartenders. It's like the world's largest after-hours club in some ways like that. Uh, I, I agree with you. The rabbit hole bourbon was uh, a surprise to me. I wasn't that familiar with it. It was, it was exquisite, not just the rather exclusive bottle we were treated to, but the, the entire tasting was really really solid and and also you know they they really brand themselves and are proud of their louisville tradition so that that was one of the that was one of the surprises for me maybe i ought to get out more but there's been a pandemic christopher we couldn't get out and so we're now getting out and making up for lost time but no but i mean that was one of the things when we were talking to the uh distiller of not only that and it's been one of many whiskeys we've tasted and uh, along with single malt scotches and agaves and a whole bunch but it was, I asked him a question and I said, why, I said, obviously it's bourbon, it's got to be from Kentucky, but how did Louisville, you always wanted to, he wanted to have his own brand. And I said, how did Louisville influence it? And he says, it's a strange place where a lot of influences come together. And I thought that was the best way of describing Hunter S. Thompson as well as whiskey. Yes, Louisville exists because it was at the Falls of the Ohio before the river was tamed there. And it was the place where you had to go around. Uh, it was, so it became a, a river port city way before a lot of the other places in that area were settled. So Louisville does have that history. It has a, a, it's a strange place. It's, it's, uh, 
a place that w would produce Hunter and would produce, I'm trying to think of some of the other things, uh, you know, uh, uh, that part of Kentucky, Johnny Depp's from that part of Kentucky. It's, uh, it's very, very strange and interesting. And, and the, the Hunter stories from here, which we'll be going into probably in uh, subsequent episodes, it's just been really, really interesting. And it's been interesting to see how many of them have made their way here. Uh, I have used the term whiskey gentry from, um, I should give some history of whiskey gentry. That's what he was talking about when he wrote, uh, the Kentucky Derby is decadent and depraved. And anyone wondering why uh, the, say, Chamber of Commerce in Louisville might be a bit slow to embrace Hunter Thompson could start with that piece. Although uh, another great piece about Louisville, he wrote in, I'm going to say, 63. It's called, uh, and you can find it online, it's called uh, A Southern City with Northern Problems. And it's about race relations in Louisville, particularly how they had overcome the more overt. But they were more into um, real estate and, and sort of the, a lot of the discussions that people have now of like, is the system itself part of that? And it's just, it's really interesting to go back and read what he was saying in 63 uh, about that kind of thing and, and about his hometown. But those pieces, they were not uh, overly flattering, and it, it sort of put him on a, a trial. And then again, you know, he was, he did spend his high school graduation in jail for 30 days. Uh, that's that's also another story for another day. But it was uh, he had a love hate relationship maybe with Louisville. But I think in the toward the end, they really embraced him. I mean, 2019 they had a year of Gonzo and some other things. So you know, it's it's been interesting. It's been interesting to be in. Uh, New Orleans with uh, Tales of the Cocktail and end up with so many Louisville stories. It really has. But the author question that I keep getting from people is, is they would see, and, um, and Curtis has the, the signature hunter-gatherer's business card that we pass out, and people look at it and then say this. I've gotten this question three times, and it's occurred to me, so I'm going to ask it of you. It's possible, it was theoretically possible that Hunter could have gone to one of the first tales, but it, it, he never did. But realistically the extravaganza of events tastings um it would be it, it, people ask what would hunter s thompson be doing right now one thing i know he would have been doing is watching curtis robinson as you know go to a tasting that ends up being a seminar about alcohol and he starts walking backwards away from it <laughs> stay away from me but what would what would hunter be doing would he have uh, and we had actually a debate about this uh, over a, a, a certain uh, fragrance uh, um a certain smoke uh, on monday if i'm not mistaken Yes, yes, yes. With, with cigars and other things, it would be. I, I don't think Hunter would have liked the more over the top things. I mean, if I'm if I'm honest, I mean Hunter was, you know, he liked a quiet drink, uh, and it was. Um, so, so I don't know that he would like the overtness. I think he would uh, love the fact that so much of Louisville is, is here and how much bourbon has come along and and become part of. You know, modern culture more so, and and particularly, I mean, Louisville. You know, if if the name Whiskey City USA wasn't already taken by with Lawrenceburg, Indiana, uh, he would probably wanted to be called uh, Whiskey City. But it's um, it's hard to know what he would make of the more over the top things. But I think he would just love the uh, embrace of the the idea of the bartender, which which he would love. And um, the, the, the conversation we had, folks, came about because we went to a tasting of a French 
uh, cognac. And basically, they had a guy rolling cigars there from a local cigar group, and we were sitting in the back with two award-winning chefs having uh, cigars, drinking it. And we were looking at each other and basically concluding, yeah, this is Hunter would have stayed right here for the whole evening as we as we're jumping to the next thing, watching the world go by at this. I would guarantee you we would have never gotten him out of there to anything resembling a formal event. <laughs> no way on earth. It, you would have just had to give it up. And remember the, the first rule of Hunter events that anyone you send to get Hunter, uh, once they've been there for 30 minutes, Ride them off. They're part of the problem. Get someone else because he's not leaving. So as we are here in New Orleans, and you heard a noise go by just a few minutes ago as we're here at Tales of the Cocktail, and of course that was the historic New Orleans streetcar ro- rolled by, which sort of shows that this podcast is rolling by. But one of the things we, uh, that is fascinating is um, we went to an event at the Sazerac House, which honors the Sazerac. It's a museum and a distillery, but it's owned by Buffalo Trace. It's owned by one of the great uh, Louisville houses. And it's interesting, it's the connection between the cities that New Orleans and Louisville, both in their ways, are sort of apex points of the South on either end, but places that are not particularly Southern either. That's true. That's true. And it's important to remember that for a long time, a long time, uh, Louisville was the, when you wanted to go upriver and ship upriver or downriver, you know, Louisville was the terminus point. You could go between Louisville and New Orleans unimpeded. And then, of course, the falls. And then you could go from there all the way to Pittsburgh. So this was the one that was the one place that was sort of the terminus. And that, that's one of the reasons, I mean, I, I just count Louisville as a great river city. And it's one of the things when you grow up in Kentucky that you really learn is that the Ohio River, which, by the way, predominantly belongs to Kentucky, despite the name, is uh, is so much a conduit of that that time and that history. And, of course, Bourbon County, Kentucky, where, where Bourbon uh, came from. But it was uh, uh, the distinction between the two towns, although, you know, all the Ohio River towns are just, I just think, fantastic and underrated. Well, I mean... Frankly, it's one of the most beautiful trips. If you ever take a, a, a trip up a river, they can, especially when the well, leaves are changing, going in that direction. But um, points of wisdom, we've been picking up stories here at Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans about Hunter fans. And frankly, it wasn't just the guy who, let's say his sister might have uh, been in flagrante delectico for a T-shirt. It, it's basically the number of people who didn't meet Hunter, but who reading the book inspired them to be effectively in the alcohol business. And, and, and it's strange, because I don't... I, since I always came to Hunter from a political standpoint, that was sort of a different perspective that I had with his insights. But there were people... I, I came across two or three people and said, if you're in in Vegas, the Vegas book, frankly, has changed the course of my life type of statement. I've heard that at least three times. You, you find that, and then you also find that he has uh, an epic reputation among fans of wild turkey because a lot of that literature included uh, references to wild turkey which was the bourbon of choice at that time later i think he he preferred a, a little bit lower proof <laughs> than than wild turkey which you know, was it was wild particularly in those days but i think i think you're right i, I think it's been interesting to, to see it and how many people you know their hunter stories now are uh second third generation but you know there's still hunter stories and his influence in that group is, is quite remarkable 
It is indeed. And ladies and gentlemen, we've been enjoying uh, Tales of the Cocktail from here in New Orleans, and we're going to have many stories to tell you about it over the coming weeks. But um, we're getting back to normal a little bit in the uh, next week, uh, back to uh, um, Campaign Trail 1972 and some of our up-and-coming hunter-gatherer episodes. Yes, but rest assured, research is continuing here in New Orleans. <laughs> and we have to go research right now, as a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen. So we wish you a, and bid you, Curtis Robinson and Christopher Tidmore, a wonderful good night, for our night is not going to end until very late. Have a good evening, ladies and gentlemen, a good morning, and I will see you on the next edition of Hunter Gatherers, the podcast of Hunter S. Thompson Stories. And with that, we'll go. <laughs>